Matthew <clears throat> chapter 12, the last part of uh, chapter 11, we looked at uh, responsibility, that we're responsible for what we hear and for the light that we have. And there were people there in those cities who had seen his power, they'd heard his message, they saw his life, and yet they chose, they refused to repent, it says. They chose not to turn to him. And to our own peril, we refuse and reject the Son of God. Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? And really, the difference is pride versus humility. If we're too proud to humble ourselves and to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, we will one day when we stand before Him. But it's so much better to do it now before. That's what gets us into heaven, doing it now. Jesus said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then there was that invitation. He, he talked about judgment and very difficult things, but then he, he goes on and he, he gives an invitation in verse 28. Let's read those words again. Some of the most wonderful words in this gospel. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke, learn from him. For he is gentle and humble in heart, and we will find rest for our souls. What a beautiful invitation, isn't that? That's to every one of us. That's every man, woman, and child. Go his way. Take his yoke. Find his rest. Now, moving into chapter 12, the first half of it really is, is about the Sabbath, this, this Sabbath that it was one of the Ten Commandments, right? We'll, we'll talk a lot about this, this day of rest that the Lord had instituted, even going back into the book of Genesis, but the Pharisees, now again, you look at the context of, of what's going on where Jesus is at that time, and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, these religious um, uh, people who were there, the Pharisees' idea of rest was not coming to Jesus, but it was by a system of law and a system of rules and regulations and legalism. And what we see here, and, and we, we've seen it before, is that they, they really miss the point of God's Word. They don't understand what He's saying. Why? Because they're looking at it from their own viewpoint and, and from the viewpoint of man. And what they ended up doing was they added to what, what the Word of God had said. They added to it. They misinterpreted it. Misinterpreted it. And they come up with a whole thing that, that really, and God says, what in the world are you doing? Jesus is there with them and saying, what are you doing? Where did you come up with all this? You didn't get this from me. And you know, that's happening today in our world today where people are coming up with all kinds of different things. And God's saying, you know, don't, don't you read my word? Don't you understand this book? I, I told you, I explained it to you, but I don't know where you're getting that. John Corson said about the Pharisees, they, they said, we don't need his rest, we have our Sabbath. 
But John says, in reality, the Sabbath day had become anything but a day of rest, for the scribes had encumbered it with so many rules and regulations. We have our Sabbath, they said. So there's a bunch of principles that we're going to see in this section we're going to look at today. But first, I want to ask you that question, why are you here today? Why are you here today? Because it's a rule? Because it's a law? Because, you're, because you have to be here? I want you to think about that while we're looking at this passage. Why are you here today? Why, why, why were the people there today? Why were the Pharisees there? You say they had so many things to say about the Sabbath, but yet they're out with Jesus somewhere. They're kind of always contradicting themselves. Let's, let's, let's look at verse 1. It says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and His disciples were hungry. And they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. They're out walking. They got hungry. That was perfectly logical. They picked some grain. They ate it. Now, it was legal at that time to do that. It wasn't stealing. You could go. As long as you didn't get the machinery out and start, like, harvesting the whole field, it was okay to grab some, you know, grain or fruit or whatever it was if you were hungry and walking through. That was, that was expected that that was okay. Find that in Deuteronomy chapter 23. So what's the problem? These guys are just out hungry. What's the problem? Look at verse 2. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, to Jesus, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Think about that. They're telling Jesus, Look, like he didn't have any eyes or something. He didn't know what was going on. Sad to say, we do that a lot, too. We, we, we try to get his attention and try to explain to him, well, Jesus, you don't understand, like, what's happening here? Peter had a good, you know, he, he, he got into that quite a few times. Jesus, let me explain this to you. And he just goes, <laughs> what? He says that, that your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. Well, were they? Let me just read to you Exodus chapter 20 um, from the Ten Commandments. It says The Lord says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that's in them. But He rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's what God's Word says, right? That's, just, that's uh, the, the, the commandment that He gave. But when you think about it and when you study it and when you try to understand why did God do that, it was a principle of rest, and it was for our benefit. It wasn't a principle of legalism. It wasn't a law. In that sense, it was a blessing for the people, you see. Not, not to be working seven days and never taking a break and, and never taking this time, this, this time for rest. It was for our benefit. We need time out. We need time for rest. We need time for worship. We need time to have some fun even. And you say, well, 
what about Sabbath day? Isn't the Sabbath on the Saturday? And, and then the church, you know, the Lord's day is on Sunday. I'm not going to really get into all that right now. We can argue about that later if you want to. You know, some churches, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists, it's good. You, we have got to worship on Saturday, and, and, they, and it becomes very legalistic. But the principle that is, is that God wants us to find that rest. And at the very end, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4 that says that we, there remains to the people of God a Sabbath rest. And it's found in Jesus, ultimately. But they made things so complicated. It became a total burden for them and for everyone else, and not only for them, but for the people they tried to put it on. They're saying, listen, you're working. When they would reach up and grab some grain and, and you know, break off the outside and chew on it, you're working. You can't do that. But what they finally got it down to, it was way worse than work. It was much more work to do it their way than to follow just what God's Word had said. Make things so complicated, don't we? One fellow said this, that there were more than 1,600 regulations added to God's Word by the Pharisees. 1,600. Says often ridiculous, some of them. For example, one rule said that to eat an egg laid on the Sabbath was unlawful. But another added that the egg could be eaten if the hen was killed for laying it. <laughs> One said with gravity that it was unlawful for a woman to look into a mirror on the Sabbath for fear that she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. I didn't make these up. This is for real. 1,600, uh, you know, another 1,598 just like that. Well, you can't pull any grain. But the thing about it is when you, when you kind of look into it, they, they, they actually had ways of getting around all these things too. They had ways of maneuvering. They would kind of set things up to be so they could break their own rules. You know, you go to Israel, and I've seen it actually here in Rhode Island as well, you go to Israel, though, and you see they have these little strings kind of uh, covering these huge areas and poles with strings on them. You go, like, what are all the strings for? And, and you know, the rules are, well, you can't go more than so many feet beyond your house on the Sabbath day, but they put these strings up and going down like whole rows, roads. And so, therefore, that has made it all part of your property, and, and now you can pretty much do whatever you want to do because they have the strings up everywhere. I saw that down in Newport recently. These guys were just hungry. It was the Sabbath day, but they were hungry. So did, did God say no, 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 no? Jesus was there with them. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son. He was with them, and they got some grain, and he said, wow, cool. Well, maybe he didn't say, yeah, well, cool, but he saw the need there. These Pharisees, they only saw their rules and regulations. Look at verse 3. It says, He answered. Jesus answered them, Haven't you read? He's going to say that twice. Haven't you read? Haven't you read your Bibles? 
Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So, so he said, haven't you read your Bibles to see? You know, you're missing the point. You're not understanding the word of God because you have put your interpretation upon it. David, in 1 Samuel 21, he, was, he went and he was given some of this consecrated bread. It was meant for Aaron and his son, sons, the priest. And yet when there was a need there, they said, well, here, you're hungry and you're here. And no, let's just let it go to waste. You see, it doesn't even make sense. But so many times the stuff we add, that it doesn't make any sense. We don't just check our, uh, you know, our common sense and our brains at the door. Look at verse 5, another example. He says, haven't you read, again he says it, in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. Haven't you read? And what he meant by that is that the priests, they would work on the Sabbath day. The priests would make the sacrifices. They would do what needed to be done in the temple. And yet that was okay. They kind of missed the point. They kind of missed the whole thing, you see. And, and, and uh, really, really very sad. But he says, one greater than the temple is here. Do you not, you're, missing, you're missing the most important point is that Jesus was standing there in front of them. They're so worried about all the rules and laws and regulations and religion and all this stuff. They're missing Jesus standing right in front of them. That is probably the, mo- the saddest thing of the whole thing. Jesus right in front of me, missing it, missing the whole thing, missing the point. Look at verse 7. It says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus said they were completely innocent doing that. But if you'd only known what the Scripture means... The more I, more I study God's Word, the more, I under, the more I understand and read the Scripture, I see that we are, we are so um, blessed to have this book. People have given, men and women have given their lives that we might have this book. And, and again, it's right in front, of it, in front of us and we miss it. It sits on a shelf, sits on the coffee table. Got those big giant Bibles, you know, well, they're, they're, they're just for looks. You know, how many of you have one of those big giant Bibles? You're afraid to admit it. I know it. Your parents probably do. Big giant thing and King James Version. You know, it's like this big, but the print is still very small because it's got so many pictures in there. <clears throat> Warren Wiersbe says God's more interested in the heart than in empty outward observances. Just doing the thing, just going to the church, just opening the Bible or just giving the money or just, you know, standing and sitting or just mouthing the words. He cares what's in here. That's what he cares about. He says, I desire mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The whole quote the rest of that verse in Hosea 6, 6, he says, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Acknowledgement of God, knowing Him, acknowledging Him rather than burnt offerings. 
So I want to ask you again, why are you here? I know it's not, you're not here to see me, that's for sure. You've told me that. You've confirmed that. But are you here out of some kind of duty or some kind of obligation? Are you here because you want to be refreshed? You want that rest that Jesus has. You want to meet with Jesus. You want to be lifted up. You want to be healed. You want to, you want to, to know what God's Word says. You want, to, you want to focus around the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, and talking about this passage, uh, the parallel account, uh, Mark adds this, that Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, what we have, what God has given to us, this time of break, is, is for our benefit. It isn't, it, you know, He didn't make it as a, a thing, that, a burden for us, but a blessing for us. The yoke of religion is very different than the yoke of Jesus. The yoke of man with all of its added burdens. But the yoke of Jesus, he says, I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. For the Son of Man, verse 8, is Lord of the Sabbath. Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Saying those words, is he not affirming that he was equal with God, that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. Someone said this, and I really like this, it was he who instituted the law in the first place, and therefore he was the one most qualified to interpret, interpret its true meaning. He gave us the word. John, John's gospel calls him the Logos, the word. He gave us the scripture, and, and, and certainly he is the one to best interpret it and give us the meaning and understanding of it. And yet, these Pharisees are trying to explain to him what the word means. Don't you understand? Don't you get it, Jesus? Look at verse 9, another test. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They didn't really care about that person, did they? They were looking for a reason to accuse him. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, I had two books, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Chapter 13, this, you know, these kinds of things were happening quite regularly. This was a big bone of contention with Jesus and these Pharisees and religious leaders. And verse 10, on a Sabbath, note that, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. This is the Sabbath day. Indignant, though, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. 
She's there. He, Jesus is there. Jesus is saying, no, you can't do any good for anybody on the Sabbath day. You can't heal anybody. You can't get anything to eat. The Lord answered them, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall, lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath... When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Isn't this cool? He turns it around. The other place, they're asking him. He turns around and asks them, is it lawful? But their response, but they remain silent. But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. And he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they said nothing, and they had nothing to say. Wouldn't you pull it out if your son fell into a well on the Sabbath day? Well, no, I can't. It's work. But the thing is, they would, they would have done it, you see. What's good for them not so good for others. That's why he called them hypocrites. Let's turn back to Matthew 12. That's why he called them hypocrites, because, you know, they're, they're kind of bending things and, and twisting things around. Verse 11, same, same logic. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus gives the meaning, and that's, that's the meaning we want, right? When Jesus explains it to us. Not some man giving us the idea, but Jesus, he says, listen, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath, to heal. We're not here this morning even just to fulfill some sort of, you know, ritual. We're here because our hearts uh, are open to Jesus and to what He wants to do. and He wants to do good to us. He cares about you and about me. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? In other words, the human race, people, are way more valuable than animals. You can pull an animal out, but what about people, He says. They were missing the point, and, and you know what? Notice that there in the NIV, anyways, it's a statement. It's not a question. People are more valuable. Look at verse 13. So he, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees, they went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Man, you just shake your heads, you know, but, but the truth of the matter is, you and I are, we, we have uh, potential to be just like these Pharisees too. We can get religious, we can get judgmental, we can get hypocritical, and may God keep our hearts soft before Him. 
it, Mark adds, in Mark chapter 3, he adds that he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So stubborn they were. And I don't know about you, but I get stubborn sometimes. Some of you know that. Some of you think, no, that's not possible. Any of you ever get stubborn? Any, any of you uh, willing to admit it? <laughs> stubborn. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm trying to do something in your life. I'm trying to explain to you. I'm trying to work in you. I've begun a good work in you, and what is going on? And we're so stubborn. We know, Jesus, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll get back to you. I'll catch up to you in a minute, but you know, I've got this, I've got this plan. I've got a, I made my plan. I've got to work my plan and plan my work and all that. And, and if you kind of fit into it, that's okay. But, oh, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing and keeps me singing, singing as I go. Is that really the truth? Are we just trying to do it our way? You'd think that, you know, this guy that was healed, they would be excited. They'd be happy. This guy was healed. He was made whole. But notice, too, that this is a kind of a side note, is that Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So, so he stretched it out, and he was asked to do something, too, right? There was a little bit of faith there. There was a little bit of obedience there. Jesus says, listen, stretch out your hand. He could have said, no, I can't. can't do it. But he says he stretched it out, and as he stretched it out, it became whole. There's a place for, for faith and obedience, taking steps to follow after Jesus Christ. But it says they went out and they plotted how they might kill him. Luke adds they were furious. How spiritual is that? They were furious. And this begins really kind of an, an, an all-out effort to get rid of him. Jesus who loved people, who cared for people, who healed, who wanted to have relationship with people. Uh, be careful that you and I don't miss the point that he wants to have this relationship with us, that he loves us, that he wants us to enjoy his love and his care. Come to him. That's the, that's the invitation for his rest, for his care his love. I want to look at these last verses uh, together very quickly here. Verses 15 through 21, kind of, it just gives us a, a, a sense of this, this man, Jesus. It says, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. Those people there re were rejecting him, but he just went on and he continued to take care and love people, not trying to raise attention to himself. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. 
No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name, the nations will put their hope. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's the Jesus that you and I follow, God willing. He's not out to squash us. He's not out to snuff us out. It's actually just the opposite. He wants to, to build us up. Like the, 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 the man with the withered hand who was made whole. He wants to make us whole. The smoldering wick, he, he, he's not going to snuff us out. He wants to fan in, into flame the fire in our hearts and lives. That's where I put my money in him, the Savior, in Jesus. Let's close with Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 4. It's a few books before... The end of the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. It says, there, re there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Let's make every effort to enter into that rest, the rest that Jesus came to give to us, you and me. He goes on. You can read the rest of the passage there on your own. The Word of God is so powerful and, and uh, that He's there. Jesus is there as our high priest. We can approach His throne. We'll find mercy and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and may we help, may you help us understand it. Reminded of that uh, verse in the Proverbs, uh, or excuse me, in Psalm 119, that we may understand the wondrous things in your word, in your law. Open our hearts and our minds to understand all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. Father, help us not to miss the point of your son, the son that you love, that you, uh, that you delight in, that you sent to be our savior. May we not miss the point doing things our way in our own pride and our own stubbornness. Lord God, you know our hearts this morning. You know, you know when, when we've answered that question, why are we here? Maybe we're here for different reasons. But the fact of the matter is today we are here and you are here and you want to do a work in us. You want to, to stretch us and and shape us and mold us like the potter with the clay. And so we submit and we yield to you this morning, Lord. We call you Lord. We call you Savior, Jesus. We surrender our will 
to you. Fill us this morning with your spirit. Fill us this morning with a longing to do what you ask us to do. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.